Hi, Evergreen. You probably didn't know this, but I travel with lumber. It's true. This 2x4 stays in my car. And every time I drive this year, I'm reminded of my passage for 2021. In fact, today as we read the most quoted verse in the Bible, it's most quoted, probably least understood, and maybe least obeyed. Do not judge. The verses today are my passage for the year. So to memorize, to think about, and to practice, I found that they are challenging. No wimps need apply for this passage. Here it is. It's on my two by four. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, every day I get in my car, every day I pick up my 2x4, every day I read these verses. What does it mean? To judge, analyze, discern, slam down the gavel, condemn. Now, we regularly have to analyze and discern, determining what is good and bad, right and wrong. Those are Jesus' words here do not mean that we're never to sift the truth from the false or the helpful from the destructive. But he does give us a heads up. He says, in the same way. Now, many Jewish sages and even some Greek thinkers would have agreed with Jesus. But following Jesus in practice requires more than just agreeing with him. So he first of all says, when we measure, it's measured back in the same way. Well, the need to measure in Jesus' time was common in the markets. In fact, a common Jewish saying was, it is measured to one according to the measure by which one measures. So the measure can be a scale, it can be a container, it can be a stick that's used for calculating weight or distance. It can be a, a measuring tape. And what Jesus says here is, if you're going to judge another, then be careful about what measure you use. So I could choose to uh, measure with a a six-foot measure tape here, and that would be the measure that would be applied back to me. Or I could really feel judgmental and decide to use my 25-foot measuring tape here and really give you judgment. And Jesus said, well, that's fine and you'll get 25 feet of judgment measured back to you. You see, what Jesus is doing in this context, in the Sermon on the Mount, where he is deconstructing the religion of the Pharisees in their hypocrisy, is Jesus is rebuking hypocritical judging of others 
without discerning and addressing our own stuff. And then Jesus talks about the sawdust or the speck, the, the speck of sawdust. Uh, you, you may not be able to see it, but right here on my plank, I have taped just a tiny little splinter. And it reminds me that when I am attracted to the fault in someone else, that little speck of sawdust in their eye, that I may be attracted to seeing that and aware of it because, well, actually, there's a great big two-by-four stuck in my own eye. Now, I think when Jesus was using this graphic image, it likely drew laughter. It, it certainly also evoked thought. And here it is. If a splitter endangered a person with blindness, how much more did a beam? Every judgment that a person makes becomes the basis for her own judgment back. Now notice, Jesus does not here or other places forbid criticism, opinions, or calling out just flat out dumb. What he forbids is fault finding that overlooks one's own shortcomings while assuming the role of supreme judge of others. Since we all have a distorted perspective, we need to either be very humble or just leave the judging up to God. We have a moral responsibility to discern between right and wrong, good and evil, but only if we are humbly aware that we'll never be totally right and sometimes we'll be dead wrong. So Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't discern. It does mean that the amount of grace you give is the amount you get. Now, hey, I'm with you. We've judged, we've labeled, We've slammed the gavel. We've proclaimed the guilt before knowing all the facts. But what does the work of God look like? Well, primarily accepting people and loving before judging and caring before condemning. So think with me. Many Christians tell you that we have an image problem, that we're being treated unfairly, that we're being persecuted, or that we're just badly misunderstood. Can I be honest with you? I'm not so sure about that. It's not so much that Christians have an image problem. It's far more likely that we have an integrity problem. Do we get misunderstood on some issues? Well, of course. But that's outside of our control. There are more than a few issues entirely within our control that give us a bad name. Did you know that the number one thing that Christians do that non-Christians despise? You're right, judge. You know, it doesn't take long for non-Christians to tell you how much they hate the way Christians judge other people. Two minutes on social media will reveal 
Christians and preachers condemning the unchurched people for their sexual habits and preferences and lifestyle choices and even political views. I doubt that that's what Jesus had in mind when he gave his life and love for the world. You know, very few people get judged into life change. Far more get loved into it. It also occurred to me that in the presence of judgment almost always guarantees an absence of love. Think about it through the lens of your marriage or friendship or classmate or even someone you work with. It is virtually impossible to love someone and judge someone at the same time. But, but wait, you ask. Uh, if they're making a mistake and I need to correct them, well, well first of all, Look at your mistakes and the depth of your sin and deal with your issues first. And in the process, you'll encounter a loving God who forgives you despite your rather egregious sin. And having been freshly loved, you can love others. I wonder what would happen if Christians stopped judging the world and instead start of loving it. I believe that's exactly what Jesus did. This is interesting. In a, in a recent Barna research study, adults who are not practicing Christians were asked what they desired in a faith conversation. Leading the list of preferred partner behaviors with 82% was listens without judgment. And then when they were asked if they knew any Christians that actually did that, only 34% had a Christian in their life who would do so. So I encourage you to try this. Just like people, you know, people will never believe you love them if they feel that you don't like them. So let me ask, Hey, have you judged anyone lately? <laughs> yeah. Well, sadly, the answer for most of us, including me, is yes. From the guy who cuts you off in traffic to your weed-smoking neighbor or your rainbow flag-waving relative, it's so easy to judge. And judgment just gets worse from there. It's the basis of racism, sexism, and almost every other ism you can think of. It's also fundamentally incompatible with authentic faith. Jesus said, Christians should be known for how deeply we love. Yet studies show that in the eyes of many non-Christians, we're known how, for how deeply we judge, not for how deeply we love. The problem in many cases is not that unchurched people don't know any Christians. The problem is that they do, and they don't like us, for good reason. Now, I know some Christians will argue, well, who's going to stand up for the truth? Understood. Yet in Jesus, grace and truth are perfectly fused. If you remove grace from truth, and you don't actually have truth at all, but a cold, steely imitation, 
This is the shadow side of conservatism. Now, the opposite is also true, of course. If you remove truth from grace and you don't have grace, you'll have a spineless imitation. And this is the shadow side of liberalism. But, oh, fusing grace and truth is exceptionally difficult and it, it's usually only successful when you spend significant amounts of time praying and when the source of your attempt is actually Jesus himself. I'm rarely good at it. I flip from one side to the other too quickly. But when you see grace and truth fused, it takes your breath away. Why did people travel for days on foot and in extreme conditions to meet Jesus? Grace fused to truth. That's what our hearts long for. But I think in the church today, the hard edge of truth has crushed many. And one of the most frequent expressions of loveless truth is found in judgment. Judgment is incompatible with at least four wonderful things. Keep judging, and you'll miss all four of these Jesus virtues. The first is love. You know, the presence of judgment almost always guarantees an absence of love. Think about it through the lens of your relationships. It's, it's virtually impossible to love someone and judge them at the same time. So try to remember this. If I'm judging someone, I'm probably not loving them. You just can't judge someone and love them at the same time. The second great virtue is help. Have you ever noticed that people who judge almost never help the people? And that people who help almost never judge. That's because judgment creates a line. The line is, better than, or smarter than, or more righteous than the person who needs help. Help knows no such line. It just knows how to help. When Jesus taught on judgment, not only did he tell us not to judge and to remove the mass of timber from our own eye before trying to find the speck of dust at someone else's first, but he then showed us the purpose of removing the speck from someone else's. It's to help them. The Christian purpose of stepping into someone else's world is not to judge someone, but to help them. If you're not trying to help, just don't bother. You're probably not only just make it worse. And, and if you are trying to help, you'll likely notice something else has disappeared. Any sense of judgment that you once carried. Oh, the third virtue, humility. You know, judgment is never rooted in humility. Judgment is grounded in arrogance. A judgmental person almost always carries with them a sense of condensation. I never get into this kind of situation myself. You should be as good as I am. Or a sense of pity. Oh, poor, stupid you. Judgment always says, I'm better than you. I know more than you. And I'm also superior to you. No wonder people run from it. Very few people 
get judged into life change. Many people get loved into it. Humility, by contrast, fosters empathy. It says, I'm like you, and I get that. Maybe we can help each other. People run to that. And fourth, prayer. Yeah, there's a direct connection between judgment and prayer. Judging someone and praying for someone are, well, pretty much mutually exclusive. You can't pray for someone and then you're judging them because if you're judging them, you're really not for them. Now, I know, sure, you can pray about them, but again, your prayer won't be grounded in humility. It might be grounded in anger or in arrogance or superiority, but it won't be grounded in love. You can never truly pray for someone you judge. Conversely, if you want to stop judging someone, pray for them, because it's impossible to judge someone and truly pray for them at the same time. Well, I carry this two by four in my car. I read these words every day. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? But all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Well, honestly, I'm still not very good at this. I've worked all my life on becoming a professional judge. I've been in Christian contexts that fostered and supported my judgmental reactions and skills. I have a lot of unlearning to do. So I read Jesus' words. Do not judge. And I hold my plank and I feel its weight and its lethal potential. I can actually kill with this board. When I catch myself... Leading with judgment, I often think, well, you know, they really are wrong. That's the truth. Or what I feel is the truth. And it always wants to dominate grace. So I've decided this this year. I've spent most of my life overemphasizing truth. Just maybe it's time, if I'm going to err, to err on the side of grace. Maybe the better emphasis is grace. And maybe you find yourself in my story. I am learning to love, practice humility, offering hope, and praying for. Do not judge. Instead, be loving helpful, humble, praying. Let's do that. God, thank you for demonstrating your love to us so beautifully and perfectly in Jesus. 
Jesus, you came and demonstrated perfect love and humility and truth all together in a way that draws us to you, knowing that your truth is the standard, your grace is forgiveness and welcome, and your love embraces us fully. Forgive our sins. Fill us freshly with your spirit. Let us overflow with your presence and help us truly love and help and forgive and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a week full of grace and truth.